0: Okay, so back to Mislai Sharim. He says, Ulam Hesrona Shemira mi Pene Haivaron at O mi Pene Ivaron Haretzoni, which means that a person who isn't careful in life, either because he has a natural blindness. You're naturally blind, so then obviously you're going to be at risk. mi pene <inaudible> He calls it <inaudible> which means it's a blindness of choice. Whether you choose blindness or whether you're actually blind. He says Dehainu <inaudible> Setimat When you close your eyes with your own free choice and with your desire, you just decide that you're not going to think, you're not going to use your mind, you're going to go through life without opening your eyes. If you make that choice, he says whether it was natural or was a choice that you made, the same thing. I need your help on this one. What does that mean, What are you trying to say? Again, he's saying that if a person is blind, as he just described, a person who is blind walking on the edge of the river, as he said, he's in a very big danger, and his, the the that his, uh, uh his uh. <clears throat> He says, and the, the negative results are way more probable than him being saved. A blind person walking on the edge of the river is in major danger. He says, a person going through life, which is a dangerous place, and you're walking through life and making decisions in life and you're not thinking which means you decided to go through life blind without thought of consequence he says you're the same there's no difference (laughs) Ehadu there's no difference between a guy walking blindly in a dangerous place or a person who's walking blindly in life and he chose not to look and think about what they're doing. There's They're the same. What is the word Ehadhu coming to explain? What is he trying to say? What is he trying to express when he calls natural blindness and willingness to be blind as Ehad? They're the same. What is the point of that? He's coming to say a Hidush. Oh, did you know? They one. won. Well, why would you have thought they not one? What's the difference? If your eyes are closed, they're closed. What's the difference if you chose to close them? Or they're naturally closed. Of course, they're the same. It's the same exact person. The same exact look. You have a guy with closed eyes. You have to tell me that's the same as the guy who closes eyes there. Oh, that's natural, that's not natural. Keilu, as if it sounds like there is a thought that a person might think that if you choose blindness, so you're different than the naturally blind guy. The naturally blind guy, of course, he's in danger. But me, I chose blindness. I'm, I'm better off than him. Why? Seems like you. Why would you think that? Again, it sounds like the average person might think. That natural blindness, very dangerous. Got it. But if I'm willing to be blind, that's not so dangerous. So comes the Misilai Sharim and says, "Hey, don't think that. Ehad. The same. Just like when you say Shema, when you say Hashem Hashem Ehad. What does that mean? In this world, it's possible for a person." to look at the world and it looks like there's two parties going on. There are things in my life that go great, awesome, pleasures, success, and then there are moments or days that it seems everything is against me. So it may look like there's two there's two avenues here. Sometimes one source is in power and they do bad for you and sometimes there is a source that's not that that's great and they do good for you you might think that you might think that bad and good come from two different sources it's like a malach that does bad and malach that does good comes Shema and says don't think that Shema Israel Hashem Elokeinu Hashem Ehad, Ehad means the same place that gave you good is also sending you the not so good. The same source, because one would have realistically thought they're not Ehad. Makes sense. So that we have to reiterate: Hey, Ehad. It's the same place. Don't look at bad or unfortunate situations as something coming from somewhere else. It's coming from the same good source. Good. So I'm asking you here on the same line of thought, when the Mesilat Sharim comes to express to us that blindness that comes naturally, which is very dangerous if you're in a dangerous place, and blindness that you chose to close your eyes, it's the same. I'm wondering why that's necessary. I think I would have known that. Bottom line is The eyes are closed. Of course they're the same. One might have thought that there is a big difference between natural blindness or chosen blindness. What's the difference? The difference is since I chose to be blind, if at any time I feel danger coming, open my eyes! A blind person doesn't have that choice a blind person even when they're in the midst of danger they still can't get out because they can't open their eyes but a person who chose to be blind in this world and to go again let me explain what choosing blindness in this world means you chose to go about your life without thinking too much you just do anything that comes your way you get involved with things You don't know if they're good for you, not good for you. You don't think through them. You don't think what the long-term consequence, the short-term consequence. You just go through life without really thinking about, hey, how's your marriage going to end up? How are your children going to be raised? How are they going to look like in 20 years from now? How are they going to look like when they're married with their own children? You're not thinking about those things. You're just going about your life day by day, just going through your life, not thinking about, the consequences of your life and the people that you care about. That's called walking in blindness. He's telling you that one of the, we'll call it confidence builders in this willing blindness, you need, you need a confidence builder in your life to choose blindness. In other words, which tepesh, which fool is going to choose to go through life with blindfolds. What kind of person do you have to be? There must be a confidence builder. There must be something that's giving you the strength to close your eyes and not worry about it. It's fine. It's going to be fine. What do you mean it's going to be fine? You're closing your eyes. How is that going to be fine? What's giving you the confidence? You know, every thief has confidence builders. Nobody's going to steal if they believe they're going to get caught and get in trouble. So they have a confidence builder. They have a plan of how if if someone finds this, I'm going to do that or I'll say this. Every every crook has some confidence-building strategy that is going to help him in the time of danger. Without a confident person in that area, you can't do it. And he's telling you, Miss Elad Yesharim, so beautifully. He's telling you that one of the confidence-builders of walking through life with blindfolds on and not thinking about... The consequences of your decisions is that in your eyes, since you chose not to think, you say to yourself, if I ever see that there's going to be danger ahead, for example, I'm going to get married, nothing to worry about. I have to worry about my marriage going the wrong way. Now, why? Why should it go the wrong way? It's going beautifully. I don't have to ask questions. I don't have to buy books. I don't have to do anything. I'm good. Of course it's going to go good. So what do I do? I close my eyes to my marriage. And I just behave the way I always did. Thinking like, what could go wrong? In the back of my mind, what if something goes wrong? Hey, what if something goes wrong? What if you start like tripping in your marriage? Then what? What are you doing in your mind? You're saying, okay, if I get to a shaky zone, then I'll open my eyes and then I'll work it out. Because remember, I'm not completely blind. I chose to be blind. So when I hit a little bit of a, of a, of a, of a, of a tornado, or I hit a little of a hurricane, right? I hit a little of a rough spot. Beautiful. I open my eyes and start thinking about what I need to do and I'll get out of it. I have a child. What's the rush? What's the rush? Everything is good. Look at him. He's very cute. He's in the crib. You ever see a kid in the crib? Innocent, cute, Abos. The guy is a future terrorist. You're looking at me so cute. This kid could destroy the world. Oh, thank you very much. But right now, the way it looks, everything looks fine. Look at him. Doesn't talk back to you. Doesn't talk altogether, but that's okay. We'll, We'll get to that when he's ready. He doesn't do anything. Doesn't hurt anybody. Doesn't come home late at night. He's always where he's supposed to be. You put him in the crib, you wake up, he's in the crib again. Baruch Hashem, thank God. Never comes home late. Never gets involved in anything. No drugs. Is he any drugs right now? See any drinking right now? You see any gambling right now? No, it's great. Everything is nice. He's very friendly. You smile to him. He smiles back. You talk to him. He talks back to you. Say to yourself, what? Ah, piece of cake. What do I have to open my mind for? For what reason? It's going good. In the back of your head, what are you thinking? That if, if one day something goes wrong, if I see the kid like a little bit slightly turning off the road, then what will I do? Then, open my eyes, I'll buy the books, I'll ask the advice, and of course, I'll take care of it when the situation is necessary. When I see my foot slipping by the edge of the water, I'll open my eyes and get back on land. Ah, you see that? What a confidence builder right there. The confidence builder of not thinking through life is that you don't have to worry right now. Of course life can be dangerous. I know that. I know that. Come on. But right now, I don't need to worry about it. When the danger comes, then I'll take care of it. Because remember, I chose not to look. And therefore I could choose to look at any time. So no worries. You hear the beauty of this? This is a beauty. This is real. This is real life. Blindness by choice convinces the person that just as they decided to become blind, they will decide to open up their eyes and always stay away from imminent danger when necessary. Whether it's your marriage or your children or your own welfare, your own life, your own future, whether it's physical issues or spiritual issues, no worries. It's going to be fine. What do you think a gambler does when he starts gambling? What do you think he does? He chooses blindness, doesn't see what he's doing. But in his eyes, doesn't he know there are sick people out there who gamble and are literally gambling can make you more sick than drugs. Gambling is a horrible, horrible mitziut of a person. It takes a person and takes their mind and they check out. You can't even talk to that. Their, their mind is completely in a different zone. They can't think about anything else. So doesn't he know that? answer is, of course he knows. What is he thinking? He's thinking, right now, I don't have to think about it. But if I see it's getting me in trouble, then what's going to happen? I'll open my eyes, and I'll stop. Gorgeous. I'll smoke now. It's just uh, an enjoyable moment. No big deal. But don't you know there are sick people out there that either smoke cigarettes and are sick or worse than that. Don't worry. Of course I know that. If it gets to that point, of course you know what I'm going to do. I'm going to open my eyes. I'm going to stop smoking. I'm going to stop drinking. I don't have to worry now about my anger. It's not really doing so bad for me. If I see it's getting out of it. Then I'm going to open up Mesilat Yasharim and start learning about it. But right now I don't really see any issue at hand. Do you know how many examples we can give about this? Endless life examples. When you're in where you're in and things seem okay and therefore you close your eyes willingly. What gives you the confidence to close them willingly? Because in the back of your mind, you say, listen, I chose to do this. And the same way I chose to go and be blind, I could chose to open my eyes whenever I need it. I'll pull it up. And comes the brilliant Mesilad Yasharim. And says, let me tell you something. Blindness that is natural and blindness that is chosen, ehadu. It is one and the same. Which means, if you choose blindness, don't think that at any moment you're going to be able to open up your mind and start thinking about how to get out of your situation. (inaudible) Ehadu means when you choose blindness, you're going to have a very hard time opening your eyes when you need to. You think That when the danger comes, then you'll stop smoking. Then you'll stop drinking. Then you'll stop gambling. Then you'll raise your children the right way. Then your marriage will go take the right turn. No, no, no. It doesn't work like that, says Ms. Sharini. It's too late. It's one and the same. The same way there's no turning back. Unnatural blindness. There's no turning back not a 100 percent of course is always the free choice it doesn't mean it's impossible but he means that it's not going to be as simple as you think that you'll just stop everything open your eyes and all of a sudden your kids are going to be all of a sudden turned back to the right did it you you had them before you had them young you had them early you could have directed them. The minute you ignored them and they started going off, don't think it's so easy to bring them back the other way. First of all, they're not going to be in your hands. And second of all, you yourself won't even realize what to do because you're stuck in blindness. Unbelievable. What? Al, I can't tell you. It's one of the nice things, things we, ever, we ever saw in this book. So it's, and it's such a, it's mamash amiti. You should not allow that confidence to stop you from thinking because said if you choose blindness you'll stay that I think this is a nekuda that every parent needs to hear every once in a while and that is when it comes to children we always talk about how to raise your children but how to bring out the best in your children how to direct your children but lemas said We always have to remember that children are humans, and humans have free choice. Which means that no matter how good you are, and no matter how thoughtful you you are in your raising them, no matter how great you are in directing them, you followed every rule in the book, still, you have to know, with all that, they have free choice. And they could choose to take all of your upbringing and all of your direction and everything that you've done for them or shown them and decide that you're not going, and they could decide they're not going to follow. Examples Aisab, Ishmael, and like Jack just said, we saw a famous story of and Navi that didn't want to have children. Because he saw in Ruach HaKodesh that they're going to be Rasha'im. Yeshayahu told him, it's not your business. you got to have children. And he did his utmost to raise them. And they still came out to be Rasha'im. Which means that no matter how much you invest in your children, they still have to choose. That's a very important point. Because it can get very frustrating for a father or mother when their children aren't doing the right thing. However, let that not be your obvious excuse. Let that be the last, 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 last ditch response. We must ask ourselves many, many questions because before we arrive at that conclusion, before we arrive at the conclusion of, listen, I did everything right. I'm doing everything perfect. They could choose on their own. What can I do? Before you get to that conclusion, don't rush. That should not be your first initial conclusion. Every time your son or daughter does something and you see there's a problem, your first conclusion should not be, oh, they have free choice. I'm a perfect father. I'm a perfect mother. It's up to them. That's not what the story is telling us. The story is telling you that there can be such a conclusion, but a person needs to really first assess if they're doing their best to provide the best setting for their children. So again, back to our subject. A beautiful thought. The thought is that a person who willingly decides to close their eyes is not going to have the luxury of opening them when they so desperately need to open. How does that work, by the way? How does that work? How come you can't open your eyes? How come? How come? You see the danger. You're going to see. You're going to start feeling, uh uh-oh, my feet are slipping. Oh, no. What's going on with my kids? Oh, no. What's going on with my marriage? Oh, no. What's going on? How come you can't open your eyes? So one of one of the great miracles that God created in this world is called habit. Habit is a great miracle. Habit is a good thing or a bad thing? So it depends. It depends. Now the depends part is not as simple as you just said. People usually will say, That good habits are good. Bad habits are bad. But that's not fully true. Because even good habits could be bad. For example. If you have a habit to pray every day. And you start praying. Out of habit. So it's not good. If you have a habit of talking to your wife when you come home. And you talk from habit and not from feeling. It's not good. Relationships that are just going through habitual communication is not a good thing. Even though you're saying all the right things, say good morning, because that's what you always do. Say, how was your day? That's what you always do. You're not even listening to the answer, because that's what you always do. It's a habit. It's habit. I was just talking to someone the other day. He told me I didn't remember everybody's name. So I told him, how come you don't remember everybody's name? He didn't understand my question. Again, he asked me, how do you remember everybody's name? So I asked him, how come you don't remember everybody's name? I said, don't you remember what you ate this morning? Don't you remember what we did last night? I asked him, "Well, how come you don't remember? What do you asking? me? Why do I remember? Memory is part of the creation of mankind. Hashem created memory. So what do you asking me? Why do you remember? The question is on you, not on me. How come you don't remember? Guy introduced himself to you yesterday and you don't remember his name. What happened to your memory? Need a question, Charlie? Good question, no? I turn the tables. By the way, smart Jew, always let the other guy answer questions. Never let people put you on the witness stand. Anytime they ask a question, turn it around. Let them think a little bit. So I told him, I'm going to help you why. I'm going to help you. I thought I'll help you explain why you don't remember. I said, the re- it's not that you don't remember. I said, you never heard what the guy said. Which means, he said, by the way, what's his name? And whatever he said, you didn't even hear it. You didn't hear it. You're already on to the next thing. You thought by asking him his name, you already fulfilled your obligation. Of being cordial and being friendly. He said, oh, by the way, what's your name? Nice meeting you. You never heard him say his name. If you study yourself, you'll realize that we do that many, many times. Say, how are you? How was your day? You don't hear a word the person said. Your wife could talk for three hours, and you don't even remember one thing that she said. And she'll say, well, did I tell you that before? he you say, oh, I... I is that what you said? I thought he said something else. You will make up some line like that. As if of course you're listening, but you, mis- you misheard the words. But said, you didn't hear a word, she said. Not one word. Your mind is totally checked out. So we have a habit of people of asking someone their name. So what's your name? And we have a habit of ignoring the answer. It's not that you don't remember people's names. You never heard it. You never heard it. If you actually heard his name and focused for a second to put ID with that name, picture and name together, you would remember it. I can't say always remember, but you'll be a lot better. You'll remember people's names. That's called habit. So even good things like, what's your name is a good thing. But if it's done out of habit, it's worthless. Filad that comes from habit, worthless. Worthless. What do you what are you saying? You're just going through the motions. You learn Torah from habit. Doesn't mean a lot. You do kindness with habit. You lost your heart. You lost your limb. So many things we do out of habit, even the good things. You know, one time. There was a great rabbi who went to visit someone who's sitting Shiva. And as you know, Lu'alenu, a person who sits Shiva, before the Shiva, before they bury the person, there's something called Onen. Onen is basically a complete disengagement from mitzvot. In Onen, doesn't say Berachot, in Onen, doesn't pray. An onen doesn't do mitzvot until they bury the dead. The onen period is mitzvot-free, complete disengagement. So if you're, God forbid, if you're an onen, you pick up a cup of tea and you drink it. No berakhah. You don't pray in the morning. You don't pray minha. You don't pray arbit. No mitzvot. Can't do averot. Can't be my halal Shabbat. you can't eat non-kosher. Can't do averot, but mitzvot onen. What's the idea of an onen? What's what's behind that halakha of an onen? The simple explanation of this weird type. When did you see a law in the Torah? It says no mitzvot. Checked out. Why? Simply. Simple reason is because you have a job to do. You got to bury the dead, and therefore, there's no time for mitzvot. You got to be completely focused on the mitzvah of burying the dead. Finish. <laughs> but, 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 even though that's true, seems to be very exaggerated. Can't make a beracha sh'akol nihamet that's going to that's gonna stop me. Say, hey, don't take an hour for your tefillah. Uh, say Shema. How long does Shema Yisrael take? Shema Yisrael. Hashem. seems to be extreme. It seems that we went overboard. You know, we have, for example, Halachot. That before we say the Omer, we're not supposed to get into a meal. Because if you get into a meal, it might... Make you forget the omen, okay? But you don't tell the guy stop all mitzvot so you can do your job. It seems to be a little bit exaggerated. So this man sitting shiva asked this big rabbi. His name was Zalman Aurbach, Zechet Tzaddik Lebracha. I believe that's who the visitor was. He asked the rabbi, "I want to ask you a question." He says, "What's with this omen business?" It was very weird. For 24 hours, I felt like I wasn't a Jew. So the rabbi told him, he says, the onen period? He says, that is to fight. Mitzvat anashim melumada. Mitzvat anashim melumada is when people do mitzvot melumada. What's melumada? The word "lamad, Lamad means the way they learned it. They're still doing the mitzvot, melumada, meaning their body and their mind learned it. just like when you drive. after an hour of a drive on a highway, you don't remember a thing. The guy asks you, you remember what you did on the highway? You make any stops? Do you change lanes? You don't remember a thing. You drove on the highway for an hour. You don't remember a thing. How could that be? Where where are you? Answer is that your body and my body and my mind is capable of learning driving. Once you learn it, it does it on its own more or less. You have very little involvement when you're driving. In the beginning when you start driving, you're much more aware. After it becomes melumada, it becomes on its own a habit. Says the rabbi, you know the Onen period? It's there to fight, to battle mitzvot anashim melumad. It's there to battle the people who do mitzvot out of habit. What does that mean? What kind of cryptic answer is that? What are you saying? What he's saying is like this. When a person right, a a Shomer Torah un-Mitzvot Jew, when they pick up a glass of water, the first thing they do is make a Beracha. Now, what does that Beracha mean? What, What exactly is he saying? To whom is he talking to? Very often, it's a habit. It's a habit. And you don't even realize what you're saying. The Creator says, or Hazal say, that during the Onen period, you pick up a glass of water, you're going to realize, by the way, well, then if someone's an Onen, they'll inadvertently say Berachot. Now, they might think because they're a big tzaddik, that's what they're saying, Berachot. But in reality, that shows them, what does that show when you say Berachot Inadvertently. That when you do say it you're also not thinking the same way you're not thinking now and you made one you're not supposed to make one because you weren't thinking every bit that you make you're not thinking all day long not only bit achad, so many things between men and god between men and men all day long habits how are you how's it going how's your day shabbat shalom you mean nothing. Not the Shabbat Shalom. Not how's your day. Not what's your name. Not how are It's all habit. Now, the 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 shadow is like this: when a person loses a loved one, usually, usually, the thoughts entering the person's mind in the beginning is you start to feel bad about missed opportunities. You start to say, ah. I took the person for granted. I had my father here so many years. I could have done this for him. I could have done that for him. Oh, remember he wanted me to do that. I didn't do it. How many opportunities I had to be closer to him, to communicate with him, to help him, to pay him back. All these types of thoughts. It's normal when a person is in that moment, normal to start reflecting and thinking how many lost opportunities I had. And how come you didn't take advantage of them then? Because he just went through the motions. And now you realize, oh my goodness, I lost the opportunity. And you say to yourself, oh, I wish I took advantage then. When we give the Onen, when the Onen has those feelings already for his loved one, how he's not he didn't appreciate his father enough. He didn't appreciate his mother enough. He didn't appreciate his children enough. He didn't appreciate his wife enough. When those feelings are very strong right now in the Onen's mind, how he didn't appreciate what he had, great opportunity to make him stop and say, you know what? You know what else you lost now? Not just your father. Not just your mother. You lost mitzvot. And hopefully that will awaken in you a new appreciation for mitzvot. You know, for a person who makes berachot, it's painful to drink without a berachah. A person who prays every day, it's painful not to pray. You do mitzvot, now what does Hashem tell you? Don't do it. Don't do it. You lost your chance to communicate with... You lost your t- chance to thank me. You lost it. So that these thoughts that already are in your mind about lost opportunities, you'll bring them over also to your mitzvot. The same way you're feeling bad about how you didn't take advantage, now you should feel bad also that you're not taking advantage of the mitzvot that you're doing. And why not taking advantage? Because of your habit. Habit, even good ones, are not always so good. So habit is part of the creation. By the way, what is the good thing about habits? Anyone know? What is the good reason why Hashem made habits? Why, why are habits good? There's only one area where habits are great. That's why Hashem made them. Who knows? Which area? Which, anyone know? Not, where are habits? Very important. And that's why Hashem made them. Habits for Averot are not good. Because you continue doing the... Habits for bad things, not good. You'll continue doing bad habit for good things. Also, not good because you check out. Your body does it. When are habits very good? And the reason why Hashem made them is for that reason. For where? So a little more saying good, Alex. Habits are perfect for physical actions, breathing. Not sure if it's called a habit. More like automated. But for example, the first time you start walking, to balance yourself, it's very hard. You got to think every step you take. How are you going to walk? How are you going to go? But after a while, what happens? Habit sets it. Could you imagine every time you walk in your life, you have to be careful like the first time you walk? You know how much effort and mind you'd have to fix yourself on just walking? The first time you talk and how you get the letters out. It took effort and took time and thought. But after a while, what happens? It's automated. Imagine you had to talk every time and think about what you're going to say and how you're going to move your mouth. You would spend so much time on walking and talking, you'd have no brain ability to do anything else. With driving, thank God, now you could drive. You don't have to think about driving. You could be on the phone. You could be learning. You could listen to a class. But who's driving? You are, but you're it's a habit. Habits were created to take the physical, unnecessary part of our existence and make them automated. So it gives you the chance to do what's important in life and put your heart in it. That's why habits are created. So the reason why you can't take the blindfolds off when you're already in this situation, answer is habit. You'll have the habit of smoking, can't stop. You'll have the habit of drinking, you can't stop. The habit of gambling, you can't stop. The habit of raising your children a certain way, you can't stop. The habit of marriage, the same way, you can't stop. Habit will catch you. Habit is a trap that comes after blindness. If you choose blindness, comes habit and traps you. And now your confidence that, no, don't worry. Whatever I need, I'll rescue myself. Too late, because you're stuck. Just like the little rat that ate the cheese. He thought he'll get the cheese, and he'll escape. He got the cheese, and they trapped him. It's over. He can't get out. This is the great Hidush of the Mesilat Yesharim. Don't be confident in your lack of thinking, because one day you'll be able to get out of the problem. Once you go into a blind, you're going to be trapped in blindness. Have a wonderful day.